We are going to talk about National Alliance for Children's Grief Healing Childhood Trauma with somebody that is just a rock star, Dr. Tichelle Bourdier. And I've got to tell you, Mom, a few years ago at Columbia, I brought her into my class to talk about sudden death, and the students loved her. They were like, not only is she totally outstanding and accomplished, but she's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So, and these were, you know, early 20s, you know, early 20 year olds. They were like, she's cool. I said, yes, she works so well with youth and with individuals because she just connects quickly. And like I said, she's got an outstanding background. Dr. Dechelle Bourdier is an assistant professor of human development and family science and state specialist at the University of Missouri, Columbia. She serves on the board of the National Alliance for Children's Grief and on the advisory board for the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors of Military Loss, which is what we're on, TAPS. Mm -hmm. She is the co-editor of the Handbook of Social Justice in Loss and Grief. She speaks all over the country. She does trainings all over the country. And like I said, she is a rock star. So welcome to Shell. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both for having me. It's wonderful to see your faces. And of course, this incredible lineup of uh, presenters and speakers and uh, clinicians and people from so many different uh, diverse backgrounds all all in the same space again. So thank you for having me. When we start to think about uh, healing from trauma, uh, you know, it can be a complex experience, uh, but complexity does not mean uh, that we that we don't have hope. There there is a lot of hope that comes with uh, trying to heal from really um, uh, really challenging experiences. Uh, when 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 we deal with trauma, we um, it really changes the way we view the world. Right? Um, for many people, the world might feel less safe, less predictable. Um, uh, people who are who are actually it, it can be really difficult to, to be able to even decipher or distinguish between people who are who are safe and well-meaning from those who are, you know, perceived threats. Uh, and that's a normal part of trauma. So, so one way I just want to, I guess, say from the beginning that we heal from trauma is to recognize that a lot of the thoughts that will run across uh, your mind, our minds, uh, if, if you've dealt with trauma, uh, are very normal. Questioning uh, your environment, hypervigilance, um, you know, just being extra aware is actually a protective factor. You know, even young infants who are not dealing with trauma, you know, that wariness that we start to see with, um, you know, even young young children who are starting to crawl or move away from families are already showing kind of heightened responses to people. And so while not experiencing trauma, we see that that's kind of a primitive response that we have to things, uh, to spaces that we are less comfortable with or less familiar with. Um, Again, trauma can really challenge us in that way. In in many ways, it it can re-evoke some some of these behaviors that actually, quite frankly, previous researchers thought went away. But we know now that a lot of reflexes that people demonstrate that have to do with trauma really uh, were ones that serve survival functions, even for us as infants, as young children, that kind of resurface, right? Uh, so people who are, who are dealing with trauma, just, just even, I just want to just normalize that a lot of the factors, again, just the hype, not just, but the hypervigilance, you know, uh, the extra wariness of your environment uh, for good reason, for justifiable reason, you know, it doesn't mean that you're paranoid, right? Uh, as a, um, uh, or anything like that, it means you're, you're trying to be safe. Um, uh, the other part about trauma is just the triggers, right? Are these these 
these sensitivities that we have that remind us of these experiences, sorry, that will remind us of these, these experiences that we had related to trauma, right? Um, and we can experience trauma in safe spaces. That's what's tricky about the whole thing, right? Many people experience trauma in spaces that were supposed to be safe. You know, trauma uh, that is um, that comes from family members, uh, trauma and, and communities. A lot of the kids and even young adults with whom I work have been in situations uh, that really um, they lived in these social conditions that uh, were not necessarily the safest, and uh, even without being directly harmed. Uh, you can be vicariously harmed through trauma, through things we see on television, you know, repeated images of shootings, uh, community violence, sexual assault, something we don't talk enough about, um, uh, emotional, uh, you know, emotional violence, structural violence can be traumatic, right? Institutions can, um, can promote a, a certain violence through the policies and practices of, of the organization, of the institution. Uh, so these were just some things that I just wanted you to think about in terms of, you know, being able to name trauma is one of the first and first and, and most and one of the more important. Well, I, I don't want to quantify or prioritize in any of these, but I can say that being able to name our experiences is healing is will always be healing. Right. Um, I, I recently wrote a paper on, on sexual assault and disenfranchised grief and suffocated grief. And it really was about the trauma that comes with sexual assault. And um, many of the letters and things that people would send me. So I wrote it for researchers and for people who are not in research, right? I wanted everybody to have access. And many of the people who have, who have written me uh, are clinicians. It really changed the way they treated trauma with sexual assault survivors, right? Um, because they saw them as people who experienced trauma and grief at the same time, right? So trauma does not does not exist in a vacuum. Uh, we grieve the loss of a sense of safety and we grieve the loss of, um, you know, the change in our outlook. You know, we grieve not having to look over our shoulders and things of that nature. So um, when our safety is compromised, it also creates a sense of loss for us in many different ways. So, um, but what I was gonna say about the sexual assault paper was that so many people have written this, they were, they basically said, you know, I've been dealing with this, you know, I was assaulted 20 years ago. And this is the first time I was able to name my experience because grief was connected with the word trauma. And it was so healing for me to have language and to have my, my thoughts normalized um, and not judged uh, because it made so much more sense. And I can see how, how a lot of my behaviors right now um, you know, different ways in which I move about the world are really relating to the to this trauma that I had not had safe spaces to heal, to find, you know, I did not have enough healing spaces, never mind be able to be encouraged to name it. So some ways that we can heal from heal from trauma or, or cope with trauma are one is to to put our to make sure we we're in spaces where we can name our experiences, where we can say this thing happened to me. Uh, it doesn't get to define me. Um, but it, it did change some, some of my outlook on the world. Right. And right now I'm, when I'm acting, I'm not being paranoid. I'm, I'm being careful and it's okay for me to be careful. I have the right to feel like I want to, you know, uh, move about the world in a different way. Right. I have new normals now. Uh, and so 
Um, some of the ways that some, you know, additional ways that we heal from trauma are finding safe people who, who will not gaslight, right? Who will not try to shatter our realities about what we have experienced and um, the ways we integrate these experiences of trauma and loss into our lives as we move forward. Uh, so naming the experience, uh, being able to, to also name the, 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 the things that trigger us uh, when we've been traumatized. Um, uh, so that's one. Uh, getting support from, from, from the different communities that, 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 that function as actual supports, right? Whether it's your spirituality, uh, whether it is a therapist, like a formal therapy, a, for, a therapist who actually understands grief, loss, and trauma. I think that that would be another way that we can heal from trauma is to be able to see a trained professional uh, in those areas who can take you through that process. Um, and there are a lot of different processes, you know, um, um, a lot of different forms of, of therapeutic intervention that can be supportive uh, in terms of the trauma and uh, moving along that journey. Uh, we also heal from, from trauma when we are able to, to, when we have diverse ways of expressing uh, our feelings and our, our feelings and thoughts about it, right? Being able to, um, uh, you know, paint a mural, right? Or uh, we see this all the time in the, in the news, right? If you're paying attention to the news, you may have seen, um, you know, and more some of the more highly publicized, you know, death losses during COVID, for example, or even prior to then. Um, you see during times of of social unrest when people have felt marginalized and traumatized uh, by some of the uh, shootings that have happened, or um, you know, just other issues uh, in our broader society related to disenfranchisement. Some of the ways they've healed has been by um, um, these artistic expressions, right? Right, uh, um, street memorials, or um, you know, I watched George, uh, the funeral of George George Floyd, one of them, and I study you know, I study funeral rituals, so it was not unusual for me to. <laughs> I watch, I go to funerals of strangers and and participants and so many other people. It's just what I do in terms of trying to understand how people heal from the trauma of violent loss, right? And um, what we found was uh, people did things like make t-shirts, right? Um, during the course of George Floyd's funeral, there was an artist who drew an image of him during the actual funeral uh, as, as an example of the ways that, that helped the family members, but also even viewers like myself and others who tried to make sense of how these how these family members would take the next steps? So the mural was was one expression. Um, uh, we can also heal from trauma um, when we have information or can participate uh, in um, by writing letters to legislators, legislators uh, to senators. Um, I know that uh, people feel very people can you can feel powerless when these things beyond your control feel triggering for you um, and you're dealing with things like racial trauma, um, you know, uh, or gender trauma or disability trauma, a trauma around ageism. You're right, there are so many ways that we can, we can be trapped, we can experience an event as, as traumatizing when we feel like we've been compromised. Um, and so that is, that would be another way is to, you know, some levels of empowerment help us heal. Right. By being able to take charge of an experience 
that was so disempowering for you uh, and to transform the way you to transform make to transform uh, its impact, uh, transform its negative impact um, on us through social action is another important way to heal. Um, again, if you've been just watching the media, you didn't uh, you didn't have to necessarily read my book on social justice issues and laws and try healing from trauma. <laughs> Um, but I can tell you that if you um, y'all, you just need to turn it just by turning on the by nature of turning on the television, you can. There are there are so many examples of challenges, but if you're looking closely, you will also see how people resist the disenfranchising way it feels to deal with trauma, and a lot of times you'll see people, you know, take action. Uh, by creating safe spaces where they where they were not, were you know making creating making spaces feel safe that did not otherwise feel safe. Creating a ritual is also important. Uh, when we when we deal with trauma around loss, we have funeral funerals. Uh, but but when we think about so many of these other losses that don't get named all the time, um, again, um, you know, uh, sexual assault is coming to mind for me. Uh, a lot, I guess, because of Bill Cosby in the news and some documentaries and other things come to mind for me. Uh, but uh, in that case, even with Bill Cosby with, with sexual assault, the, some of the survivors have, um, <clears throat> people have made documentaries. So again, another kind of, um, you know, uh, behavior that allowed them to feel empowered to be able to tell their story. You have to have space to tell your trauma story, right? To, um, provide a counter narrative to the ways in which, uh, to the narrative that you that you were dealt actually, um, to be able to reframe it and to, and to change it so that um, you tell your truth and your story and that you know, unto, untold story is not just bearing on your soul and that you receive validation. So I guess a lot of the things that I'm saying, you know, really they're not to be separated, they actually, are pretty intertwined, right? This need to tell your story, this need to have a ritual, the need to be affirmed um, and, and not have your, your reality sh shattered again by people who question you about this experience or judge you about an experience of, of any type of violence, of, of judging you about the loss of your child in a, in a, in a car accident. Um, you know, the judgment that, that comes with that can also be traumatizing for families. And again, ways that we can heal from those are to are to create spaces uh, for counter narratives, for 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 telling your story from your position, um, and others also seeing other hopeful examples. Sometimes we need examples of hope. Like, what what does hope look like? You know, what are the possibilities for me? Am I stuck here? Will this be my forever? Um, so, being able to have access to models uh, who can demonstrate that uh, there is hope, you still are important, you still matter. Um, this trauma was not your fault. So validation of, of that, this was not your fault. Um, and um, I, I know this is for with Open to Hope, but I, I, I do wanna say that Open to Hope, uh, I'm actually thankful for Open to Hope because I, you know, a lot of the work that I do is around trauma and, you know, trying to, you know, provide these safe spaces for families and teenagers and their parents uh, in these really devastating experiences. And um, 
I do think of open to hope and it does put me in a position very frequently in all of this trauma work that I do <laughs> of thinking about like, what is that space? Like, you know, where's the glimmer of hope in this really dark moment, <laughs> right? And, and I, you know, I try to, um, even in my own trauma experience, I tried to think of hope was the person, you know, when I had this crazy traumatic accident, uh, hope was found in a person who sat with me quietly while I was being, you know, uh, pricked and, <laughs> and checking my blood pressure and all of these things. Like the, the hopeful experience in that moment was a young teenager who sat next to me and uh, sat quietly amid all of the noise and chaos going around on around me, the ambulance, all of that, this teenager who sat quietly uh, was that hope for me. He was that, he was that safe space, a total stranger. Um, and so I just want, I want to say that is that there, there is some space for that and people need time for it, but we can hold the light until they are ready to, and that there's hope there too, right? The hope we have for people can also be, um, healing around trauma. So being allies as people work through really difficult experiences. Um, so. Michelle, thank you so much. I mean, we appreciate you and we, we appreciate all that you're doing. And like you said, you're, you're dealing, you're helping people find a glimmer of hope despite very traumatic losses and traumatic experiences. And you are such a light for so many. Absolutely. You are a bright light and a fabulous person. <laughs>